Hey fam, welcome to another episode of the Myths That Make Us podcast. I'm your host, Eric Gotze. The point of the Myths That Make Us podcast is to help you, the listener, and the guest when they come on, identify the conscious and unconscious stories that they tell themselves about who they are and about what the world is. Because I think that, no, I believe that I know that the story that you tell yourself drastically affects the life that you experience. And so I want to help people become conscious of what that story is. What a dookin, my friends, my family, my lovers. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Myths That Make Us podcast. This episode is brought to you by my journaling course. If you want to make journaling a habit, uh, this is a 30-day course that gives you the four fundamental techniques that I use and then um, a bunch of journaling prompts just to kind of get the mind started. Uh, the feedback from people is they love it, they cry, they're grateful, and that they have more awareness of all the craziness that's going on inside of them. Carl Jung has a great quote, and it's, uh, show me a sane man and I will cure him for you. Uh, we got a lot of shit going on inside of our heads. And if you want to start to take some conscious control of what the fuck is happening, I think journaling is the best way to do that. So you can go to erigazzi.com, click on the button at the top right, and see if it's for you. On today's podcast, I have Sean McCormick. Um, he is a transformational coach slash success coach. And we fucking get weird on this episode. We basically talk about astral travel and spirit guides for an hour. I didn't know that that's where it was going, but that's where it fucking went. Um, it's a nice change of pace of the normal format. And so I think that you guys will enjoy this. Um, let me know what you think. As always, thank you so much for your attention and your love and your awareness. I truly appreciate it. I love you motherfuckers. Namaste. My brother Sean, thank you for coming on the podcast. You had me on yours about 10 days ago and it was fucking dope. And I thought, why not continue the conversation? I love that idea. It's such a pleasure to be here, my man. The question that I like to ask, there's a couple that I like to start every podcast with to give people a sense of the person that they can project their psyches onto. And so Let's say that you just finished doing something that puts you into a flow state, you get out of it, and then I meet you for the first time. And I ask you, who are you and what do you do? What would you say? I am a incarnational being um, of infinite consciousness. And in this incarnation, I happen to be a father and a husband and a podcaster and a life coach and a consultant and content creator and catalyst for consciousness expansion. And you didn't tell me your name. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> like that matters, man. Uh, <laughs> my name is Sean McCormick. Sean McCormick. How would your best friend describe you and what you do? My best friend is somebody that I've known since first grade, and he's so used to my shenanigans. Uh, he's 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 uh, he would describe me as an agitator and a 
um, a reliable, loyal, um, visionary sort of person who um, somehow manages to think big and travel the astral realms while still staying grounded and getting his shit done. And, and my best friend is a by the books, uh, firefighter, Mr. Reliable, um, very black and white. And so as I picture Danny describing me, uh, he's probably both smiling and rolling his eyes at the same time because <laughs> he's, he's seen, He's seen so many phases of me in in my progression from, you know, um, hotshot, you know, student body president, and I mean, in middle in elementary school, you know, can't sit still, class clown, into middle school as you know, jock guy, into high school as leadership guy with long hair and tie dyed shirts, just confusing the fuck out of everybody, you know, and then. Um, into, into college where, you know, my liberal arts education in, in tandem with my use of psychedelics and, and lots and lots of camping and meditation, you know, sort of melded me into the adult that I, that I have, that I was, that I would become. Um, but he also, you know, calls me on, on all my shit when I, when he thinks that I'm, that I'm not grounded or that I'm out to lunch. Like he is, he is, he's a really good barometer for whether or not uh, what I'm saying makes any fucking sense. <laughs> How would your wife describe you and what you do? Yeah. My wife would describe me as, as, as a com complex. Um, she would probably describe me as an, an excellent father committed. I mean, Similarly to my to my best friend since first grade, I've known my wife since we were fifteen, and uh, we have stayed together since we were fifteen. One relationship, one sexual partner, um, never broke up, and managed to navigate um, post pubescent into high school and college and into adult life and wow. office jobs and into entrepreneurship and now into you know something something else completely. Um, I think that she would describe me as, as, um, multi, multi, multifaceted, probably, um, to, <laughs> to a, uh, irritating degree, you know, I, I, and I, and I say that sort of jokingly, you know, it sounds like my best friend and my wife think I'm a, a kook, but, um, I, I'm drawn to very strong personalities, to very level-headed, very grounded people to, to help sort of offset my, my tendencies and so forth. And so my wife would, my wife would describe me as uh, um, a, a really dependable, loyal partner, uh, provider, uh, father, and, um, you know, at times a loose cannon and total whack job. How would your father describe you and what you do? My father would describe me as my father would describe me as someone who is really tapped into um, a lot of a lot of important things. Um, my father is a behavior analyst uh, in you know sort of classic uh, operant conditioning. You know Skinner. Um, he he writes behavior plans to correct people's behavior, 
and uh, and so his um, his sort of scientific method approach to to seeing the world um, is, is sometimes in conflict with my with my opinions of what's really going on and what's what's going on underneath what we appear to be true uh, and you know before. You know, I came out of the closet as a as a as a pothead. You know, back in I don't know shit. You know, eight years ago when I was probably you know twenty six or twenty seven, longer than that, maybe ten years ago, twelve years ago. Um, when I came out of the closet and said, "Hey, I'm I'm a cannabis user. Like I smoke weed, and it's and it's okay. Like I'm not I'm not going to be a burnout." Um, that was a pivotal moment for him to see who I who I really was becoming, and 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 then. You know, this is kind of a cool story. When um, there was one night in in uh, ayahuasca ceremony where the whole night was dedicated to death and my paternal lineage. So I was, you know, I was climbing up the family tree and I had visions of my grandfather uh, and and my great grandfather. Um, you know, s- sturdy, angry, drunk Irishmen, <clears throat> one after another. Um. And the whole night was dedicated to my death and my father and his father and his father and his father and his father. And, uh, at the end of the ceremony, uh, and he knew, he knew that I was, you know, on a retreat that weekend. I texted him. Um, well, I, I, after I had come down and the medicine had worked its way through, this was probably four or five o'clock in the morning with no sleep. I look at my phone, just sort of like touch back in with reality. And, uh, there's a text from my dad that said, Hey, I've got a book here from Pa, who was my, his father, my grandfather. Um, it's, uh, it's the book, only book he was, he was allowed to read when he was a prisoner of war in Germany. Um, he was a, he was a gunner and he was shot oh. down over Germany and he's and he lived on water and rutabagas for, uh, I think it was like 11 months. Uh, and this was the only book that he was able to read. Uh, and he texted me a picture of it. He said, do you want it? <laughs> And I said, uh, well, you will have, you're, you're, you have no idea the work that I have been doing over the course of the last nine hours. Um, I, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that you're texting. Um, of course I want the book. In fact, can we talk today? You know, I'd love to, love to have a conversation with you a little bit later to sort of talk about what I saw and what I, what I came to understand. So I think my father would describe me as, as a, um, an important extension of the family tree, you know, a, a real, a, a realized version of the McCormick lineage and, um, and also, um, a conspiracy theorist that he doesn't exactly agree with. <laughs> How would your mother describe you and what you do? My mother would describe me as, uh, just the most, um, she's my biggest fan. In fact, Eric, <laughs> I was over at their house yesterday uh, to borrow their truck and uh, went inside and sat down and had a cup of tea with, with both of them. This is too funny. Um, then they, they, they spent a good hour and a half. I was, I, you know, I told my wife, like, I'll be back. I'll be back in like an hour. I just got to go pick up the truck to do the yard work and stuff that we're doing. Um, I'll be back with my dad's truck. And, uh, you know, they spent an hour and a half talking about our episode that you and I Whoa. just published. And my mom was just gushing, gushing, just, just could not get over the fact she's like, it was so good. Like he was, he was so, he was so well thought out and, and, um, you know, talking about 
you know, this universal symbolism and, and hero's journey. And my mom, my mom is actually in the midst of training for um, what's something that's called Anamkara. Have you ever heard oh. of Anamkara? No. It's basically like um, pagan death rituals. Um, Whoa. Yeah. So, Whoa. Yeah. So mom is going through, um, she does hospice care. And uh, as one of the things that she does, she's a medical assistant, she does hospice care. And she she's going through this training to basically help people transition into death and go to their homes and, and, and work with family members that are, that are sitting there. And she's like, everything that you said resonated with me in such a deep way. All, all of the content, like the acronym that you talked about from positive psychology, that was amazing. Like Eric was so, he was so on it. He was so, he was so clear. It was it was just it was just deep enough. It was clear it could have gone much deeper, but it was just deep, deep enough to have people like resonate with it. So, <laughs> interestingly enough, wow. just just yesterday, my man, we we spent a good hour and a half talking about your and my previous conversation, and she's uh, she is and always will be like my biggest fan. That's fucking beautiful, man. Yeah. How would the divine that you have a personal relationship describe you and what you do? Yeah. I think that they would describe me as I love that you said they. I think you're the first person who's ever responded to that question in the plural. <laughs> uh I can we can we can get into that if you'd like. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So my relationship with the divine is is multifaceted in the sense that I have a direct connection and relationship collaboration with my spirit guides and they have been present with me my whole life and I didn't really realize that, that they were who they were when I was a kid and I was dreaming about them but they would they would describe me um their names are names that I've given them and that they're okay with and and love that let's go <laughs> uh Bo I'll tell you why he's called Bo Ishem and Manuel and um, the, so I'll, t I'll, I'll tell you the story, how I came into contact with them and how I, how I cultivated a, a practice around this thing. So I've been working, um, for about 12 years with a, with a spiritual teacher who is a, she calls herself a spiritual midwife and she is a, she's a medium and she is, uh, she has connect, she has connection and collaboration all the time with, uh, with the masters. So she does channeling sessions. I mean, she predicted the success of my brick and mortar business that I started in 2012. She predicted, um, you know, the gut issues of my firstborn son. Um, she predicted uh, the fallout with my founding partner in my business. Um, and looking back at the notes and seeing some of the things that she said I needed to watch out for and, and sort of be aware of. Um, she's a very, very gifted person and she is, I mean, she's a, she's a mystic. She is a mystic, no doubt about it. Um, she was affiliated with the Finehorn Institute in Scotland in the seventies, which, uh, was a, basically a commune of mystics and alchemists and channels who founded a area in Scotland where they were told that they could, you couldn't, you couldn't grow anything. You couldn't live there because the the soil was too rocky. It was is minerally depleted, so you couldn't live there. So these hippie mystics uh, moved there and set up shop. And within I think six months, were able to actually grow crops. 
um, and they had like circle mazes and um, sacred sites and and had really cultivated the the natural environment around them. And so, you know, from from that from that, just to sort of tell you the type of person that she is and that she's in work with, and and she and I've been working together really closely for a long time, and she's given me lots of tools to to access to collaborate. Collaborate is really the key term with the divine and the divine, um, as they are the closest to me in my relationship with them are in the form of these guides. And one of the guides names is Bo. Um, I was, he was, he was present in my dream states when I was a kid and, um, and increasingly so sort of as my Saturn returned in my, my late twenties, increasingly so in my dream states and increasingly so in my meditation states. And there was like a personality there with me when I closed my eyes to go to bed and to meditate and to float in float tanks. And so over a period of time, you know, I said, uh, you know, like you, you keep coming around, like, are you my spirit guide? And he's like, yep. Now what? Uh, and then, and then he was gone. And so over, over a period of time, having this back and forth, having this connection, seeing, seeing him, um, he looks like Jeff Bridges from the big Lebowski. He, he, he looks like the dude and like bushy beard, gla- uh, sunglasses, uh, wool cardigan. And I said, you know, you look like the big Lebowski. You look like the dude. Um, and he's like fairly unimpressed with that reference. Um, and I said, you know, you can I call you Bo for Lebow, Bo Boski? And he's like, you call me whatever you want. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. So through hours and hours and hours, I mean, hundreds of hours in, med- in, in meditation and hundreds of hours in float tanks, I've, I've cultivated a relationship where I can tell when they're around. And when I, when I talk about them, they get very excited. So they're very present with me right now here in my office. Um, the other, the other guide who I have, uh, Before we go on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, will you kind of share, like, if you had to describe the personality or the characteristic of Bo, how would you describe him? Bo is a teacher. Um, I I believe that Bo uh, ha- was present during the dis- during the Library of Alexandria, and it's come to me in meditations and lots and lots of questions about about what he's doing with me, why he's here. Uh, he's, he's like a professor. He, he knows things that he doesn't share readily. I have to, I have to engage in a certain way and ask the right questions in the right way and be, and be in a, be in a state to actually receive the wisdom, but sort of the, the references that he makes, um, are, are, you know, uh, infinite and and rooted in you know sort of our our connection to the cosmos and the personality that he has is very patient very calm uh very uh, very paternal but also uh a little um uh, forgiving of, mischievous oh yeah it, it, he, no no i that's 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 the other one um that's ishem i'll tell you about him too but bo's bo's personality is like very very calm very cool collected um and very like i will show you this stuff but dude you got to do the work is sort of the vibe yeah. that he and i have right um so ishem i f- saw ishem for the first time 
down in Venice Beach, Florida, floating at Crash. I know you know who Crash is um, yep. from Float Lab. Uh, when I was doing research to open my own float center here in Seattle, I floated at Crash's place and had the most incredible experience where I could see through the top of the float tank up to this floating being. And there was actually two of them and they were like sort of talking to each other, you know, probably 15 or so feet up from my float tank. And there was two of them and they were like classic, you know, sort of angelic beings in, in, in white robes, uh, curly hair, angular features, um, and when I, when my attention was lifted up toward them, um, they stopped talking and the other guide who I believe to be now, um, my, one of my wife's guides, uh, sort of like took off and then it was just me and him. And I said, you know, what, what are you doing here? You know? And I know, I know through meditation practice and, and, and in psychedelic use that like, you just don't freak out. You know, it's, you're gonna be okay. Like, don't, don't shake yourself out of being present with this moment. And so I said, you know, what's, what, what you doing? And he didn't say anything. Just sort of this like smile. And I said, are you, are you a spirit guide? And he just sort of nodded, didn't say anything. And then like showed me this like kaleidoscope of these amazing colors that, that this was before I had ever drank ayahuasca it was similar and it's like sacred geometry so he was trying to communicate to me with with this sort of sacred geometry and since then that was back in 2011 and since then he still has never uttered a word to me like not really contributed much just kind of hanging around and i believe now through lots of introspection and talking with bo um, that he's sort of learning, like this might, this might be among his first, <laughs> uh, uh, first times as a spirit guide for an incarnated being. Yeah. Yeah. So he just kind of hangs around and I don't know, still don't know what he, what he's up to. Um, but, uh, and I might not ever know what he's up to, but he's, he's around, especially when I, when I talk about him and the guides. And then I just became recently aware of a newer guide, um, in the last sort of two years, um, Manuel, who is very pragmatic, very strategic, very systematic, very like together and focused and organized because obviously that's something I need help with. So that's Manuel's role is to be, is to be there to help me. Like when I'm at my most focused, when I'm at my most pragmatic and systematic and, and effective, Manuel is present. So that's my, that's, yeah. The question that feels like it arises in me is people listening who have no idea how to even begin to connect to a spirit guide or even what a spirit guide is, um, but they're curious, what advice or directionality would you give someone who is interested in making contact with something like this? Yeah, there's, there's, there's some definite steps that you can take. And the first is to just be open to the possibility that there are such things as spirit guides. <clears throat> now it's, it starts from just an opening of the heart and an opening of the mind to the possibility that there are, there, there are non-physical beings, entities that are around us that's, that have an influence, influence over us. So that's the first step is to just like open up your coconut to the possibility. The second step is to clarify your thinking and 
this is inconvenient, especially, you know, for, for fans of psychedelia, um, is that the, the most effective way to get in touch is to be clear minded is to be focused and clear and intentional and regular in your, in your attempts at connection and collaboration. So for instance, um, my guides have been present in ayahuasca trips and in ceremonies. They've been present in in mushroom ceremonies, but like just kind of checking in, not really, really participating when I'm drinking. And I've, and I've, I've assisted ceremonies, many ceremonies where I don't drink at all. I just do my light work with my guides and the, and the masters to help like contribute and to manage and to open up into the light space because ayahuasca can get pretty dark. Um, but opening, opening up your awareness that, that it's a possibility, um, clarifying your mind through, I mean, again, not convenient, but you know, take a month off of booze and weed and psychedelics and then, and you don't have to do that. You can, you can, I mean, it helps, but it's not required. And then, uh, the next thing that you should do is during states before you're about to go to sleep and before meditation, um, say these things, say with infinite love, light, and truth, I am open to collaboration with my spirit guides Mm. in infinite love, light, and truth with gratitude. I am open to collaboration with my highest self, with ascended masters and any guides that may be present. So you say that two, three, four, six, seven, eight times. And after every time you say it, you just sort of notice what you notice. You know, for some people, it's very physical. So they're like, bing, they're like, you're like a little, little zip or a, or a tingle, you know, in their hands or, or, or in their head. For some people, they'll hear that sort of like, crackly thing that happens in a DMT trip or like a high, high pitched sort of tune for other people. They'll just immediately hear chatter, like narratives, words, um, you know, songs that are meaningful to them. And for other people, they'll see things. They'll see, they'll see presence. They'll see, uh, faces. They'll see, um, little snapshots maybe from their past. And the best thing to do is to just notice it without judgment. Just be like, oh, well, there it is. I see that thing. Okay. Um, and then focusing back to your breath. The other, the other way to focus your breath is through cleansing, cleansing breath, which is to get into a, a relaxed state and breathe in through your nose and out through your nose. And with every in-breath, say in. And with every out-breath, say release in your head. And with every in-breath, you breathe in bright white light, life-giving, divine, crisp, clean, cool, clear, every in-breath in, and then release. And when you release, it's black, it's sooty, it's toxic, it's fearful, it's breath that no longer serves you. And what this does is this acts to like sort of process your energetic field to sort of clear out, to bring in the good and to clear out the bad with the visualization and the mantra. And then, and then do that sort of, you know, um, that invocation to invite your guides in. So that's, that's sort of the, that's sort of the first steps. And this is something that I do with, with my coaching clients who are interested in this. Not all my coaching clients are interested in, in all of this stuff, but some of them are, 
And it's, I mean, it is, Eric, it's, it's really effective. It's, it's like shockingly effective over the course of a week or two. If you do this really regularly and you're clear, you know, don't do this after you take a big bong rip, um, or have three beers. Um, if you do this regularly, you're going to start to get impressions. You're going to start to get these novel ideas and it's tough to tell whether these ideas are coming from you or coming from somewhere else. But the key is to be open to the fact that your imagination is part of this. It's sort of like a ramp up to, to, um, to accessing that wisdom, that information, those downloads, that connection with those guides, uh, it comes, it starts as your own sort of imaginal realm that can think up really cool shit and then eventually grows into a process of you asking yes or no questions and then just like listening for the answer. So it's, it's that, that's sort of like 101 for people who are interested. There's also a really great book, um, um, uh, Subtle Energies of Field, Field Notes. It's by David Spangler. It's a black cover. Uh, David Spangler is a uh, mystic and a an author. He was he was uh, he worked at Finehorn in Scotland with with my my spiritual teacher. And the cool part is is that this sort of this this is non denominational. This is not Hopi. This is not Buddhist. This is not Hindu. This is like um, this is like universalism. Um, and, and the way that I describe the, the 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 distinction between like spirit guides and angels and ascended masters is that there are different qualities to these entities that are um, th- that have different roles to play. One key thing is to to not think of them as better than you, to not think of them as greater than you, just different. They just do different things. They don't have a body. You do. Uh, they're not incarnated. You are. In this in this time, they are as interested in in you as you are in them, because they want to mm. know what it's like to drink and smoke and fuck and run and dance, and you are interested in that sort of infinite consciousness. And so, when you are saying with infinite light, love, and truth and gratitude, I wish to connect with Archangel Raphael or Archangel Saint Germain, Ascended Master Germain. You're not like praying per se, but you're you're acknowledging your role in the collaboration in the betterment of this t- this time in history in this in this in this incarnation. You have a role to play, and so that empowerment is really important as you go deeper and deeper. It makes me think of something that I haven't really thought about in a long time, and. When I was a kid, I used to always imagine this like big blue wolf, like everywhere I went. Um, whenever I was in a car, I would look out the car window and I would just imagine this big wolf running along with me. I had a whole bunch of pictures in my room of wolves. Um, I was obsessed with wolves. And then I read about Fenrir from Norse, like from their canon of myths. And I was like, oh, that's Fenrir. And I've always had this like, inner big ass blue wolf that felt like it was the thing that drew me to certain books. It was the energy in me that would eat up the books. And I've always just kind of felt him there. And then I've always felt this feminine energy 
that I didn't, I wasn't able to give a name or like an image to until I started doing psychedelics and I call her Evie and she's this like golden woman that's always dancing. That's like winking at me. And she feels like, um, she's the thing that's is speaking to me through synchronicities through my dreams. And also when I interpret other people's dreams and when I articulate witnessing other people's synchronicities for them and both of these guides, they never speak to me directly, but it feels like they speak to me through my intuition. And so I have Fenrir and Evie, and I've never thought of them as spirit guys until literally this conversation. Ah, uh, what made you, what, how did you come up with Evie? Yeah, the name came from uh, V for Vendetta, that mm. there's this like romantic, almost idealistic vibe to her that um, reminded me of V. And then, you know, my name is Eric. And there was just something about it being Evie that felt right. I love that. Yeah. What, what, I, would, what I would encourage you to do, you know, especially... I mean, it checks all the boxes for me, man, um, is to, to ask her, uh, ask her what you need to know. I mean, this is one of the questions that, that anybody listening can actually ask is like, what do I need to know that I don't know? Mm. What can you show me that I can make use of? Not just give me the light show. Like, what can you show me that I can make use of? And so I would, I would, I would strongly suggest like, coming from a place of love and light and truth and gratitude and saying like, what can you show me? What, what, what do I need to know? Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm here, I'm ready to collaborate. What can I do for you? How can I be of service to you, Evie? Like what, what can I, what can I do? It's, it's funny. When I was, um, when I was, this was, uh, man, I don't know, a couple years ago before I, before I sold, ended up selling the float centers. The, the, the reason that I got into life coaching was based on, on wisdom I got directly from my spirit guides. Uh, and this was, this was from, I actually, I don't even know if it was from Bo or not, but what I was doing is I was showering off. I was getting into my float zone. Um, I was, I was totally sober. In fact, this was actually, uh, anyway, um, I, I knew that I was clear minded which usually I'm not. Usually I'm pretty baked getting into a float tank. I mean, <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, so I got into my float tank and I did my thing and I, you know, I, I stated my intention and I laid back and I got into my sort of relaxed state and I said, what's next for me? Like, is this, am, am I, am I, am I in this to win this? Am I going to be in the float industry for forever? Like, please tell me like, what is next for me? And immediately I heard this voice that said, you'll find out tomorrow. It like clear as day as though they were like in the goddamn float tank with me. And I had never heard that voice and I had never heard that level of clarity, uh, in, in any of these sorts of episodes that, you know, these, these thousands of times that I've done this. And so I, and that's all I got was you'll find out tomorrow. And I thought, well, shit, I've never heard that. This ought to be good. Um, went about my day, um, Got up the next day, actually forgot, kind of, you know, just sort of went to the back of my mind as I was running this business and I had shit going on. I just didn't really think about it. And then I hear, I got a text message from my sister-in-law that said, um, hey, 
I'm going to go, I just signed up for a, uh, a 12 day, uh, yoga and yoga instructor and life coach certification training in Mexico. I thought of you and she sent me this link and I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Interesting. Mm. And then like two hours later, I talked to an old friend who I hadn't spoke to in years and years and years. And the last time that I'd spoken to him, he was, he was really struggling. He was, he was abusing alcohol. He was having bad relationships. He couldn't keep a job. And I talked to him, I think it was like six or seven, maybe even 10 years prior and finally connected with him on the phone. And I was like, dude, you're doing so great. Like what, what, what's going on? Like, how did you turn the corner? It's been this, it's been too long. And he's like, I got a life coach. I was like, you got a fucking what? (laughs) Because I, I, I found a life coach. And I thought, well, that's fucking crazy. All right. Um, so he told me about what the life coach did. And then there was a third, there was a third sign later in the day, in the evening time, my wife gets off the phone with one of her coworker friends and her coworker friends had, had hired a life coach to help her like develop her professional career. And she's like, get this, you know, uh, Anna, Anna hired a life coach and got like 25% of a raise. And she's like super happy. She's going back to school. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So you never know how this shit's going to come to you. You never know how it's connected or, or, or when it will come to you. But like that was that sort of wisdom and download that sort of specificity. You'll, you'll find out tomorrow. It was like, fuck, you know, you never, as you cultivate a relationship with Evie, which you already have, and I'm not to say that you don't have one, but you, you may, you may try to like connect with her and see if she'll, um, uh, collaborate with you in a more, in a more clear way. I'm fucking in, man. Yeah. So for you right now, what is the envisioned future of the life coaching dance that you're in? Well, I need to, I need to scale. Um, and, and it's a, it, it, this is what keeps me up at night. You know, I, I've been, I've been doing, the podcast now for three years, you know, I've got a hundred, 105 episodes under, under my belt. Um, amazing guests, yourself included, just so grateful for that. Um, and hundreds, you know, three, 400 hours of, of, well, more than that, I guess of life coaching, like one-on-one with people, like what is holding you up in your life? How can we get past this? What's important to you? How do you want to execute, you know, from the, from, from a spiritual place, but specifically from a mentality space, how do you need to change your mental game? How do you need to re, you know, reframe your negative self-talk? You know, I use neuro-linguistic programming techniques to help open people up. Um, my guides are present for each of those, each of those, um, coaching sessions. You know, I have, I have as many coaching clients as I can, as I can take right now. And that's great but my vision is much greater. It's way bigger. And I want to, and I intend to, uh, expand the, the things that I've, that I've been using and the things that I've been doing to help people and bring it to a a wider audience. And right now that is, um, through a course, an online course that I, that I am really, really proud of. It's called, it's called the real you. And it, it synthesizes some abstinence protocols so that you can get clear on, on your consumption of bad food, bad media, bad habits. 
and get rid of those. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a way to get greater control of your life and to craft a vision for your future. It's, it's esoteric in places, it's practical in places, but that is just one, that's just one program like this. The, it's, it's one way that's been working for clients of mine for years and years. Um, the, the, the greater vision is to expand, uh, expand my message to the greatest possible audience while still maintaining my, what's important to me in my life. Um, I, I will never compromise on being a present father. I will never compromise on being a, a present husband and a dependable brother and friend. Um, and I know that my calling, that my, my karma yoga is to take advantage of all of the skills that I have to really help people grow, to really help people expand their lives, to deepen their consciousness and to live the life that they want. And so that very well is going to be many more courses. You know, I'm creating an astral projection course. I was, I was doing astral projection really, really regularly for like a year and a half. Um, um, a spirit guide course. So in that way, there's going to be information that comes th that's a part of this, but you know, I want to do retreats like you, you know, um, you and Aubrey working on go for your win is, is so inspiring. And I know, you know, I know four or five people that have attended and, and had just these transformational experiences. And that's really interesting to me. It's really interesting that, that you have to actually show up, you know, being, yeah. being physically present is so critical to transformation. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to have a center, um, where I can host retreats I want to work with really, really um, heart-centered, really purposeful businesses to try to help them um, grow in in the ways that that are aligned with their values. Um, so the one-on-one the -on -one coaching, like I've done, I've done the boot camp for now a couple of years, getting getting all this experience, getting all these tools, crafting them, and now it's synthesizing them into into courses, into frameworks. And then launching that to to the people that are into it. What have you personally found through your one on one coaching to be like the fundamental? If I can get them to do this practice, it has the biggest effect in helping them transform their lives. It's meditation. It's it. You know, um, I know that you're a big fan of journaling, and, and I think that that works for for a lot of people. Um, you have to be able to track what the fuck's going on in your brain. You got to get it out. You got to get it on paper. Uh, but if you're so fucking stressed by your life that you can't even think straight for longer than four or five minutes, like if you, if you can't lower your stress, if you can't calm your mind, if you can't be present by yourself, then you're going nowhere. There's, it's really hard to, to advance yourself, to grow to be aware of what of of who you are, who the real you is, unless you are able to sit still and calm your mind, and um, it's not it's not hard. It's just uh, it takes it takes dedication to it. It it by far has is is the most important tool 
for, for personal transformation, because just think of how many amazing ideas come out of a, you know, as soon as you get into meditation, like you've got this really cool idea, you know, whether that's, you know, call your mom or, um, you know, for sure, right. Call, uh, organize your closet. Uh, you know, you forgot to buy, get my kitty litter, you know, those things come up because you're calm finally. Like, I don't know about yep. you, man, but for, for me and, and, and so many of my clients, a lot of their best and clearest ideas come in the fucking shower. Yep. Right. Cause you're not on your phone, you're awake, but you're not on your phone and you're not really doing anything. You're just there and you're being washed over by negative ions and you're present and you're calm and you're relaxed. You know, the same way, same thing goes for like vacation. Like you have you have your best ideas when you're calm and on vacation. And part of that is that you're not working. But the other part of it is that you're likely not vegging out in front of a television. You're likely like on a beach or in the woods or, you know, purposefully calming. So, so for me, a, a consistent meditation practice, even if it's five minutes, even if it's just watching your breath for five minutes a day, that, that for me is, is the, is, is the most and, and it has been the most transformational practice that people can do. What do you find is the number one block that people have to meditating? <clears throat> and what is the thing that you like, and how do you get them past that block? Because everyone listening knows, but most people don't do it. It, it. it never gets done unless it's on the calendar. Like you have to schedule for it. It's, yeah. Right? I mean, you're going to find other things to do, right? Go to this, go to the, you know, refrigerator and eat a pickle or check Twitter again, or I mean, any, literally anything other than meditating, you have to schedule it. And, um, and for some people it takes weeks to get to that moment in meditation where it makes sense, where it's like, Oh yeah. shit, that feels fucking amazing. Oh, <sighs> body feels great. My mind is clear. You know, I have all these great ideas. I feel calm. I feel present. So, so you have to, you have to schedule it and you have to find a meditation that works for you. You know, um, I know, you know, binaural beats help some people, um, calm or headspace or muse or whatever. Like there, my meditation, my folks taught me meditation when I was 12 and it has changed so many different ways over the years and I've tried all the yeah. tech and I've tried the things. Um, and, and now it's something different than it was, um, than it was, you know, two weeks ago, let alone two years ago, but you have to experiment and you have to be, you have to be, you have to like really give it a go. You have to get, give it a really consistent practice for a couple of weeks and you have to schedule it. Otherwise you'll find excuses not to. Yeah. And the thing that you, one of the apps that you didn't mention that just fucking, like I had established a practice that was very deep and then I didn't do it for maybe a year. And then I got the waking up app and that was fucking dope for me. It fit yeah. perfectly into what helped me do what I do. Um, what is the most fascinating or interesting idea that you're, that you're playing with right now? Oh. Well, Ooh. Um, I, I've, I've re I've considered going back to my astral projection practice. Um, there's a reason why I stopped. Um, and it is now becoming more and more, uh, present for me. And, it, it, and so 
Why did you stop? Well, yeah, I, I should explain that. So I, I was doing it every night when I was sleeping. Um, and I was doing it late at night in float tanks too. And I had cultivated a practice. There is a, there is the, there is a book everyone should read. If you're interested in astral projection, you got to read demystifying the out of body experience by Luis Minero. Um, it gives you the whole, gives you the whole shebango. And I've, I've, I've told thousands of people about, about this book. Um, so I, I was in a, in a, in a place in my life where I was going through a lot, like kids coming, buying homes, uh, a house, um, starting new businesses. And so I was, I was sort of all over the place and it was a good thing. I was effective and I was being purposeful. Um, but what was happening to me is that I was sort of exposing myself on the astral plane to, um, to beings, to entities. I was sort of attracting assholes up there. <laughs> uh, I was, I was being approached like, like every time I went up there, every time that I projected, you know, I'd see, I'd, I'd have collaborations with my guides. I would go on trips with them. We would cruise around. I mean, and, and for some people they're like, fuck this, I'm out turn off the podcast. This guy's going off the deep end. Well, it's you, but so then no, they're not, they're still with it. Goddamn right. <laughs> um, so I would go up and I would sometimes be greeted by my guides. Um, and they would take sort of different forms. Sometimes they were like balls of light. Sometimes they would look in the, in sort of like human form, the way that, that I see them, which is obviously a projection of, of what I think that they should look like. Um, but I would also be approached and sometimes swarmed by other entities that were um, that were attracted to me up there. And not all of them were cool. Some of them were fucking gnarly. Um, and there are, you know, they're, they're, they won't lie. So you can ask them, are you good? You know, and I've done this in ayahuasca and I've done it on the astral plane. Are you good when you see this gnarly thing that's like at you? Are you good? And they might not answer, but they're not going to lie to you. So sometimes if they don't answer, it means that they're bad. It means that they're, you know, some sort of demon or some sort of like nefarious entity, some sort of, you know, like, um, some, you know, some entity that's stuck in between one place or the other and they're agitated. Um, but it was like night after night and, and, and I'm telling you like, I was doing this for months and months. I mean, there was probably six months where I was I was having projections out of body successfully with recall every single night, um, and and in the float tanks too. And it got to be a little taxing for me uh, to to like constantly go up there and like navigate this this uh, these these beings and and manage who I was being who I was being contacted by. And it was through this like trying trying night after night experience that I went back to, to, to my, to my teacher. And I was like, Hey, like I'm getting beat up on the astral plane. Like I, it's just so busy up there. You know, there's a lot of great things and I'm seeing so much and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to these, to these other realms and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting so much love and support and wisdom, but I'm also being swarmed by all of this frantic energy and all of these beings that some of them, um, are, are not happy I'm there. And she said, well, you know, you, you should, you should think about whether or not this is for you. Like this might not be for you right now in your life. You might, you might need to be more grounded, um, than, than projecting out of your body every night. And so over the course of like this final week where I was, where I was had this nightly practice, I, 
you know, it was really intentional in my meditation and talking to my guides, like, should I be fucking doing this anymore? Is this the right thing? I was, you know, I was becoming sort of agitated and eventually kind of understood that I, I probably needed to become more grounded. I needed to be a little bit more, um, um, earthbound and that the time was for me to, to stay in, um, to stay in this realm and to do the work that is practical and focused and not so, um, not so elevated, not so, um, in the, in the astral plane. And so that's when I decided to like, give it a, give it a break for a while, but it, I'm, 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 I'm slowly being called back to it. Coincidentally, I have a ton of things that I want to do in, in, in my coaching. And there's a ton of people that I want to serve and, you know, this fucking awesome podcast that I love doing, but, um, I am being called back to it. And so, um, I've got to, I've got to kind of continue to decide whether or not that's where I'm going to go. And what about it specifically makes it the most fascinating thing to you right now? Uh, it's, it's actually, a lot of it has to do with, um, I like, I like being productive. I like having experiences and projecting at night. Some of those projections felt like lifetimes, you know, some of those, you know, there's like the Alan Watts dream within a dream. Um, it, the, the expansiveness of those experiences was like, Hey, I'm sleeping anyway. I might as well be tripping on the astral plane and seeing cool shit and, and having these amazing experiences and going to other realms and, you know, flying around my town and, going to the moon and back. Like I liked the, I liked the practicality of continuing my consciousness into my, into the evening time. Um, and it, and it, and it is a deeply, deeply spiritual experience that, um, for, for me in my life right now, uh, I gain a lot of information from, I gain a lot of wisdom from. And so, um, it's sort of a, um, it's sort of in, in conflict to be honest, because I, I, I do need to stay focused and grounded. I I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not particularly, uh, I need a lot of help to, to stay focused and execute. And, and yet I'm called to this, to this, to the etheric plane, you know, night after night, it's just, uh, there's nothing like it. It is, it is unlike any ayahuasca trip, any mushroom trip, DMT. I mean, it's just, it's just totally unique and it's totally sober, which I like. If there was one message that you could have everybody get on their phone right now, what would it say? Find out who you are. If you had to give them a hint on how to do that. The way to do that is to take a hard look at your habits. I agree. Take a really, really, really hard, honest look at the media you consume, the food you consume, the toxic people you engage with, the habits that you have you know, if it's porn or if it's biting your nails or sitting too much, it's too much sugar, it's too much Netflix, it's too many YouTube videos. That 
that is the path to figure out who you are. And I, and I built it into the real you course because we, it's not, you're not going to find yourself and understand who you truly are beaten off and eating Cheetos or watching Netflix and, you know, being a troll on YouTube, you know, like it, it's not, that's not it. Eh. And it's also, it's also not convenient. It's not particularly convenient to do, but it is the most important work that you can possibly do in your life. And now, right now, at this point in the history of our planet, this is the most important time for us all to prioritize this. Amen. The question that I like to wrap these up with, because it really just hits at the heart, is imagine that it's your final day on Earth in this body that you've accomplished everything that you have sought to do in this life and that you know that you are going to die peacefully in your sleep at the end of the day, how would you want to spend that last day and who would you want to spend it with? I would want to be hiking in the woods with my family. For sure. I would want to be in the deep, dark, dense Pacific Northwest among massive cedar trees with my family, listening to the birds chirp, feeling the subtle energies around us, talking, laughing, maybe end up at a stream, just like being with the most important people to me in my life being out in nature that I would, that that's how, that's how I would spend my day. How do you imagine the evening ending like those last three or four hours? Yeah. Um, you know, we'd share, we'd share a meal. Um, and I would want to spend, I would want to spend the last couple of hours like with my wife, being with her, being around her, enjoying her, touching her. And in the last hour, I would want to be by myself. I want to be able to prepare myself and to think. I would want to be able to prepare my my brain and my body and my spirit for the transition into the next state of being good question man i like that and if you could leave one message on a piece of paper to your family but specifically to your children what would you say Be whoever you want to be. Say, trust your instincts, follow your intuition. Don't get caught up in what other people think. Just really just follow. I mean, it's cliche now, but follow your bliss. Do the things that really make you feel happy because there you will find deep meaning, deep purpose, connection to the divine infinite love, light, and truth by following, by following and honoring 
to be and who you were meant to be. Brother, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being who you are in the world and for choosing to live a life where you're of service. It's my pleasure, dude. I, I really, you know, I, I, I really enjoy, I mean, I think you know this by now, but I'm a big fan of, of what you do and how you show up in the world. And I really, I honor, even though we've never met in person, I honor our friendship and I see you and I respect what you're doing and to, to be able to, to come onto your podcast and, and to speak to the people that, that listen to you every single episode is an honor, man. I really, I really appreciate it. I love you. Love you too, brother. And it is shared and mutual and reflected and loved. Hope you have a beautiful day and that you can, and you continue to do what it is that you do in the world. And I know that our meat suits will meet in the flesh at some point. There's no doubt. Nice. I'm looking forward to it.